Uh, good evening. Welcome to the uh, old Shiur in a new time. We're starting at seven o'clock Jerusalem time instead of eight o'clock. And we hope that uh, once that becomes clear to everybody, it'll make things easier. This uh, Shia is dedicated in memory of Mr. Sam Silverstein, Sichron Olivracha by his family, Lilui Nishmat Shmuel Chaim Ben Moshe Menachem Alter Silverstein. Mr. Silverstein was the the Gabbai in Rabbi Tendler's six o'clock morning minion. And uh, from time to time, I find myself, I would find myself in, uh, in Muncie, and that's the minion that I that I went to. It was a good way to start the day. It's the Sam Silverstein always looked out for me, and I thank I'm thankful for that. I mean, it may also be because his daughter and son-in-law were students in the yeshiva in Bruria, so he had good reason, I think, to uh, get me a good seat in the minion. So I thank him belatedly for that. Shmuel Chaim ben Moshe Menachem Alta Silverstein, Dehena Shotzrura, Vitzro Hachayim. We're up to the parish of Kitetse. Kitetse for me is the beginning of the end of the Chamisha Chum the beginning of the end. I mean, of course, there's no end. And we go over it again and again, and it's like the real uh, learning is a circle and not the kind of straight line that leads to a particular point. We know all of that, and yet somehow it seems to me that there is a kind of summarizing moment in these parashiyot that come at the end of the Torah. Let's say... Take the first parashiyot, for example, in Kitetze, our parasha. The first pasuk says, Kitetze le milchama aloivecha. Kitetze le milchama aloivecha. When you go, you go into battle. I mean, this has, I mean, Rashi points out to us, you look at the Rashi, we're talking about an optional kind of a battle. In other words, uh, what makes a battle optional and what makes it required, we understand that required, it's required of B'nai Israel to conquer the land. It's required of B'nai Israel to conquer the land. But there are other reasons for going to war, and those wars are called Rishut. They are not preordained by Hashem, but they are wars that you decide on in your own to wage. Mulchemet Arishut HaKatum Edaber, Shabu Mulchemet Ezritz Yisrael, Ein Lomar B'Shabita Shibyo. When it comes to a battle to conquer the land of Israel, then you don't take any prisoners. Shareik Varna Emar, after all, there's a pasuk that in Dvarim, it says, Lo Techayek Al Neshama. 
you should not, I mean, that's a Muhammad mitzvah. Muhammad mitzvah means you're, you're writing the world. You're changing the world from what it is to what it might be. That's, that's Muhammad mitzvah. That's because God has directed you to do it. But our topic really, I mean, that's a side point that Rashi brings up. And he says, we go back to the Pasuk. So Rashi points out that those words Shavita Shivyo, which means you'll take you take prisoners, uh, indicate that it's a certain kind of a battle and uh, something that you might have avoided, but you thought it's the right thing to do. It's, I mean, and, and to engage in a battle in a battle that is not a milchemet mitzvah, that is not ordained and necessary, it itself has rules. You can't just do it. And then, then you think that we're talking about battles and we're talking about warfare. And we're, but the, but suddenly, Elokas Pasuk, Yud Aleph, the second Pasuk, and the second Pasuk, what is this all about? And suddenly, in, in in those you've conquered, there are men and there are women and there are children. You see amongst the ones that you've taken, uh, that you've conquered, a nice-looking woman. And you desire her, and you're going to take her and as your wife, I don't know. I, I don't know what what is going on, right? All of a sudden, you see a good-looking woman, you desire her, and you say, uh, "I'll take you as my wife. You can be my wife." What an opportunity! So I don't know any longer what the topic is. First, I thought the topic was but now I see that the the topic is what exactly is happening right what exactly is happening? so you know that in those days in those days, war went on for a long time. Just look at the book of Yoshua, the book of Shoftim to see how long. A particular battle might be, and how the battles recurred again and again, and, and and that meant that the soldiers would be away from home a long time. They would be without the support of family, of wives, family, and relatives. So this idea that you could somehow come across a a woman and find her desirable to the soldiers, the ones who are away from home for endless periods of time. That seems perfectly reasonable, but why are we talking about it? I mean, okay. So you see that the Pasuk ends by saying, Vilakarta lecha leisha. You will marry her. 
That's what it sounds like to me. Of course, the word Isha doesn't necessarily mean a, a wife. But it could mean a, a woman, like having an extra woman. I mean, extra, more, more like a like a special kind of woman, a special woman, but not a wife. Well, maybe it is a wife. Rashi says, you see the Rashi? Just one second. Take her as a wife. The Torah is, is trying to deal with the inclination that we have to do the wrong thing. That if the Torah had not allowed you to do this, to take her as a wife, then he would take her even though she would be forbidden to him. I mean, this is certainly like not an expected kind of Rashi. Rashi says, well, you want to do something that's not really such a good thing to do. So the Torah will allow you to do it. The Torah will allow you to do it because otherwise you're going to mess up. But if he marries her, so fully yot son if he marries her, and she's a foreigner, she doesn't know the ways of the Jewish people. So finally, also not the end, he's going to hate her. He say, what, what did I do? Should I marry her? Because after, after this pasuk, there's another pasuk. And the other pasuk says, topic number two is, Kitiena Ishmigomer. So let's just look at topic number two so we can get it, we can get it correctly. You see, Vasuk Tedvav, here it is on the right side. A man has two wives. Two wives. So this is a problem. The, the, the Torah says, So at the end, he likes one of them, or he loves one of them. He hates the other one. And they they each have children. And the oldest of them, the Bechor, the one who is supposed to get twice as much as any of the other children, the hated wife as the older. I mean, at the time that they were having children, she was probably not hated, but over time. And then when he wants to give his, what he has, his valuables to his children, He's got to give his inheritance in the way that the halakha demands. 
in the way that the, that the, that the halacha demands, pasuk yudzayin ki et ha-bechor berat shnua yakir latet lo pishnayim. The oldest son, who happens to be the son of the hated wife, gets twice as much that's what it says. So the connection between story number one about the Yifat Torah and Torah story number two, which is about the Bechor, the Ben HaBechor that the oldest son is the son of the hated wife. Those two are connected by Rashi, right? They're, they're connected by Rashi. Rashi says, if you look again at the Rashi, the Torah recognizes the fact that you that you have a Yetzahara, and you're out in the field fighting a battle and doing nothing else but that, you're going to see women and it's going to create a feeling of desire, that if God does not allow you to take her as your as your wife, right? Then he'll take her anyway. But if he marries her, I mean, you don't get away with it. In the at the end, at the end, where you know after a period of time, so he will hate her. That's the pasuk that we just saw. Right? Not only that. But so full, I eat me menu ben sorero more. Where is ben sorero more? That's the third story at the beginning of our, our parasha. Pasuk yudchet. Let's take a look at pasuk yudchet here. I just underlined it. So again, we have to remember the first story is called Yifat Torah. This beautiful woman that he wants to marry. And Rashi seems to say it's going to turn out badly. And even though, even though HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows it. Well, it's uh, 15 minutes in. Even though HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows it, it doesn't, it doesn't help. It doesn't help, it'll turn out badly. And so how badly will it turn out? It'll turn out that he has a, a beloved wife and a hated wife. And that will cause him deep trouble. And he'll have to, he's obliged at the end of time to treat the son of the hated wife as given priority because he was actually born first before the other other children. The third story is the most curious of them. And it starts in Pasuk Yudchet, Ki Yeva Ish Ben Sorer Umore. And we don't know what Sorer Umore is. It sounds bad. Somebody who deviates, somebody who argues. He has a son. 
has a deviant son, I mean, I suppose there are, we've heard of this as a possibility. Then the Pasuk explains what Ben Sorer Omore is. Einenu shomeya bekol aviv bekol imo. He doesn't listen. He doesn't listen. This sounds like all the children I've ever known. Don't listen to their parents. That's a that's a tra- uh, 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 an annoyance, but it's not necessarily a tragedy. Now look at what the the pasuk says. Einenu shomeya bekol aviv bekol imo. That's him. He just doesn't listen. Whatever you tell him, he does the opposite. You ever hear it of a child like that? Of course. V'yisruoto. V'yisruoto sounds like it means you punish him, you torture him, you get him to slow with the strap to straighten himself out. V'lo yishma alehem. Lo yishma alehem. You see the Rashi, you have to punish him severely. Rashi says, You have to warn him. This is what's going to happen. You're going to be punished severely if you don't respond. Three witnesses or three dayanim, umalkinoto, and then you you take two stripes, you you beat him, give him the punishment of malkot. I mean, he didn't do anything. All he did was annoy his parents. And then Rashi adds a halacha that the Gemara was concerned about Ben Sorel Mora. That when when is when does it become a a ben sorum or a meaning? What's the sheer? How, how much does he have to be a ben sorum or Rashi says, a certain well known amount of yignov biuchal basar and he'll drink a quantity of wine. Shinemar further on, Pasukav, you see Pasukav, if you look at the top of the page, we have music in They come, they're so frustrated, they're not able to deal with the situation, they go to the elders. This this our son, he is a Ben Sorer Omore, no Shobea Bikolenu Zolel. This obey eats endlessly and drinks, eats and drinks, eats and drinks. Okay, it's not so pleasant, and it might even be costly. But why should he be given? Such a punishment, Malkot, and then Pasukaf Aleph. 
says Urigamuhu. Just like the prohibition against defiling Shabbat. When you defile Shabbat, you do something that is forbidden. Or you act against something which is obligatory. What did he do? He ate a hamburger. He drank some wine. He was unruly. You got to get rid of it. It's evil. You got to get rid of this boy, this young man. Rashi adds, Rashi adds. Stay away from that. Ben Sorero Moren, I listen to Rashi. Rashi, I mean, he's quoting the Gemara, but, but you can see that Rashi had difficulty. What's going on? I mean, all the, all the children of Israel are going to be killed by, by, by stoning them because they went out at night and ate a hamburger. Or they even stole the hamburger. But okay. They ragal shame so full. So Rashi says, no, it's not what you think. It's not what you think. He gia Torah lesobdato. The Torah does not say that the Ben Sore Umura is punished because of what he did, but he's punished because of what he will do. In other words, the Torah is saying, I mean, look, you know, we all have this, we wonder about it. I mean, when something bad is going on, did I know? Was I able to stop it earlier? Was I able to do? So the Torah says to us that if the case is brought to heaven, and if heaven accepts the case of the Ben Sorel Moreh, that it makes sense to say that the psak, that the determination will be in accordance to how that child will turn out and not as the child is, in fact. So that a Ben Sarah Mure tells me something, tells me something about, about the legal situation of these, tell me that that we can't do that. He'll get, he'll, at the end, he'll steal from his father. And he won't be able to find what he's looking for. And he'll stand in the, in the Parashat Rachim where you have all kinds of, uh, Bad things going on. The last statement that Briot that will drive everybody crazy and send them in bad direction. Amrato Torah. Listen to the Rashi says. Amrato Rashi. The Torah told us Yamut Zakai. Val Yamut Chayav. It was we thought that the pasuk of Aleph says or Gemu Kol Hashem Yirob Avanim Vameit Ubiyata Rabbi Kirbecho Bekol Yisrael Yishuvu Yirob. He said, Gee. I mean, what did he do? 
So Rashi says, it's not what he did, it's what he's going to do. So from this you could learn, we can't do that. We can't accuse somebody for being a bad person and therefore will do bad things in the future. Because even the Ben Sorer Moreh, where God has given us a way of figuring out that he's got a problem and it's going to be bad, but in general, where the Torah has not given us this kind of way of deciding, eating a certain amount of meat, drinking a certain amount of wine, and not paying attention, not listening, not accepting the authority of his parents. So the Torah told us that that's a Ben Soramore. And therefore, if you're sure that the child that you're looking at fits the prerequisites that the Torah gives, then we are certain, we're certain that we can execute him. Because the Torah told us it's al shame so far. But any other matter is not al shame so far. Now even that is a little difficult to understand. And you know the Gemara Sanhedrin says that Ben Sorel Mora, Lohaya Velonibra. Lohaya Velonibra. So if what's the point of the psukim that talk about Ben Sorel Mora? What's the point? Well, the point is that the future is determined by the present. And even though we may not know it, we're, we're forewarned. Even though we may not be able to punish the Ben Sorel Mora with the full force of punishment, still, we can recognize in him an issue, a problem, and try to to deal with it. So the first three stories in the, I mean, not stories, they're halachic positions, the first three halachic positions in the parish of Kitetse, in the parish of Kitetse, the first one, it's about Yifat Torah. We don't understand why really the Torah allows or discusses or gets involved. And the second story is about the man who had two wives, one beloved and one hated. And so Rashi connects the two stories by saying, well, if, if you marry the Yifatoah, if you marry this woman that you saw in battle, it's going to end up badly. You'll have two wives, and the two wives will disagree, and that disagreement will be carried into a battle, and the battle will have something to do with inheritance, etc. And finally, the, the parasha says, if you marry the Yifatoah, if you take her as your as your wife, it'll produce a Ben Sore Umara. Let's go back to the Yifat Torah for a minute. Pasuk, not a minute, for as much time as it takes. Pasuk Yudbet, you see Pasuk Yudbet? Raveta el Toch Beitecha, bring her into your house. 
she will she'll do things she'll uh, shave her head she'll fix her fingernails she'll take off the clothing that she was wearing when she was captured and he'll sit at home and you'll allow her to cry about her father, missing father and mother. She abandoned them or the war made her abandon them. Only then after the 30 days and after the fingernails and after the shaving of the head, and then you could marry her. So this is a secondary part of the story. It was not only can you marry her, or not only does the Torah allow you to marry her, but there are certain conditions and there are certain limits that the Torah has. Rashi explains these things that she has to do. Look at Pasuk Yudbet in the Rashi. How long nails, very ugly and disagreeable. She should get rid of the clothing that she wore while captured. Naim, they are pleasant. Shagoyim binotehem mitkashtot pa milchama bishvil aznot acherim aimahem. The goyim, after all, feel that they're young women. It's like the, the story of the Moabite women with Bilam, that they feel it's part of the battle that the girls can be used as a way of seducing the soldiers of the other side. And and therefore, the simlat shivya is something especially nice. And so Rashi, Rashi says that these things that she has to do is somehow to reduce her yifatoa, reduce what originally enticed him, uh, uh, subtract her yofi, her beauty, or attract. What if what if he if he doesn't want to marry her? What happens then? Uh, so, I mean, did he take her? Yeah, he took her when she was beautiful. But now that she he sees her ugly, he doesn't want to marry her. 
So then she can go home. I guess she can go home. But the Ramban on these psukim disagrees. And the Ramban says, interestingly enough, what she's actually doing is going through a period of mourning. She's mourning for being disconnected to her father and her mother. She'll never see them again. She's going to live in the house of the conqueror, but not because living in the house of the conqueror is so bad or difficult or un, unacceptable, but simply because she is going to separate herself from her family. And so you have this interesting idea here. The man is has gone and, and captured a woman. He wants to make her a wife and a and the Torah says, okay, we'll let you do it. And then we say, but first you have to let her go through a period of mourning, according to the Ramban. You have to go through a period of mourning where she dissociates herself ultimately from the from her parents, from her father and her mother. So I would say, I, I would say that the end of the Torah, starting from the parish of Kitet Say, is a reflection clearly and obviously of the beginning of the Torah. And if I had to think to myself of what is the what is the overriding notion that the Avot tried to share with us? What is the overriding notion that they produced without which we could not exist. And the answer to my mind is that the Avos, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, defined the family, defined who we are as a family. And let's go through it quickly. You know that Avram Avinu had two sons, had more than two sons, but at least two sons that we know about. Yitzchak and Yishmael. Yitzchak understood Avram. He understood what the issue was. Avram Avinu went to sacrifice his son and his son came with him. He knew, the son knew, that you don't take issue with a divine command. Ishmael, he was in a different place. And so Ishmael was sent away. And the family of Abraham now had only Yitzchak in it. A similar thing happened to Yitzchak. Yaakov and Esau. Yaakov became the family of Yitzchak. And Esau was sent away. It wasn't that Esau had no redeeming features. He did, he would have. But Yitzchak did not countenance Esau. So that Avram Avinu and Yitzchak Avinu, they were able to pass on the idea, whatever the idea was, we talk about that another occasion, they were able to pass on the idea, but they were not able 
to create a nation. Because a nation needs a mechanism of inclusiveness. A nation has to be, has to have a way of including people who don't seem to deserve inclusion. People who are not students of the Talmud. People who are not head and shoulders involved in the Jewish issues of the moment. People who are not part of the anxiety of the Jewish people. But that all changed with the children of Yaakov. The children of Yaakov were included. But it's true that in some cases, they acted badly. And they showed a disrespect for the ideas. And they were not able to be proud carriers of the of the flag. I mean, Ruvain, Shimon and Levi, I mean, they would be they they did the wrong thing from time to time. And yet, Yaakov was able to spread his umbrella so wide that it included all of his children, and all of the children of Yaakov became part of the Jewish people. But it may not have been true, or it was certainly not true, that every one of his children did the right thing all the time. But somehow the umbrella that Yaakov created, and he was helped in this matter by Yosef, by the way, although that's a different story. Yaakov, Yaakov was able to create the family of Am Yisrael. Yaakov Yisrael, right? He had a like a private name. He had his the people close to him, the people he taught, the people who who carried on the idea. But he was also Yisrael. Yisrael meant he had an identity, a national identity. He was not just a particular person with an idea that he was passing on to his children, but he was the founder of a nation. The founder of a nation. And so we started out today with the Yifatoah. Go to battle and you have difficulty. You see a woman and you want to marry her. So Kodesh Baruch said, okay, as Rashi teaches us, we'll, we'll allow it. But it presents a problem. And that problem is, if she's going to be, this if she's going to be part of the Jewish people, if she's going to be part of the Jewish people, then we insist. And she separated herself from the past, from her past, enabling her to become part of the Jewish people entirely. It's not what we call conversion today, but it is similar to conversion. It's similar. Because that's what we want. And if we don't get that, if she fools us in some way, if she, as the Ramban said, 
does not exhibit true mourning about her past, indicating that she's cut off. She's cut herself off from her past. Then terrible things are going to happen. Terrible things are going to happen as they might have happened to the children of Yaakov. Terrible things are going to happen. A man who now has two wives, children from each of them, it creates a difficult situation. A bensore amore indicates perhaps that we have to really be careful about educating our children. We can't allow ourselves to overlook what the children do, the way they act, the way they speak, and the way they interact with their parents. It's not something that is to be taken lightly because any of those children could be, might be, a Ben Sorero more clearly defined as a nenushomer. He doesn't pay attention. Every child that doesn't pay attention to what his parents say on, on a particular occasion, no. I don't think that's what it means. Any nenushomer means really don't pay any attention. I mean, sometimes the children who don't pay attention I mean, they fake it. They they sort of give you the impression that they're paying attention, but they really, they really are not. So it's the obligation of the parents to notice. And if they see it, they take it to the Beitin. They take the case to the Beitin. They consult with professionals and they try to make sure that whatever is causing the problem could be alleviated. So that the beginning of the parish of Kitetsei, the parish that deals with the Ifatoa, with the Isha with the Ben Sorer Umoreh, are telling us that this battle to maintain the standard for Am Yisrael, for the Jewish people, to make sure somehow that the Jewish people are intact, that the next generation is ready to accept responsibility. All of that is in the beginning of the Parashat Kitetsei, which is a continuation of the book of Breshit that taught us how Am Yisrael was formed. So Am Yisrael was formed in the book of Breshit, but it continues to be formed all the time. We always have to watch out. We always have to take care. We always have to recognize the fact that we are obliged to be the teachers of the next generation. And if we don't do the job that we are designated to do, we might find there is no job to be done. Shabbat Shalom. All the best. Thank you very much, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi. Be well.